out of the race for the White House and after decades of very publicly flirting with the idea, he really is running for president this time around and combining his first campaign speech with his first campaign controversy when he said this. Steve Finney is running for the president of the United States. This is my fourth time in doing this. Last time I got eight votes. That's not eight million. That's eight votes. I'm pushing for 20. Well, as fun as that is, thanks for being my uh, Secret Service. Yeah. Doesn't get any better than that. To know that you're protected by a plastic machine gun. But I put out an article that was called Voting for an Antichrist. It went absolutely bonkers on the internet. And it gained attention with some politicians that over the next year I had the prerogative of working through what does that really mean. My editor contacted me a few hours ago and she said, you know, let's recondition it, bring it into what's going on right now, and do the same thing. So those of you who are listening, the title of this is called, or why we should not vote for an antichrist, or voting for the, the lesser of two evils. It's a very, very critical piece. No matter whether you are voting in church, or you're voting local government, or you're voting state government, or you're voting national government, voting does seem to put this perception into the hands of the people that I have power. After all, who does my secret serviceman really work for? The people. Who pays my secret servicemen their paycheck? You do. You see, the President of the United States is a public servant. And they're paid by you. Because we happen to believe in something called we the people. Democracy is an upside-down government. Monarchy is a top-side-up government. Monarchy has been so abusive through the generations that people have moved more and more in the direction of making the monarchy impotent while the true government actually being conducted in a parliament, which is a we the people style, or a democracy which is the people are the ones really with the power. The people are the ones that really are the bosses. The democracy is an idea that is released upon the people to think that they have power. So therefore we protest. Therefore we use commercials. Therefore we use whatever it is that we need to do to somehow get this candidate into the position we want them in. But the truth of the matter is that these leaders are selected well in advance. But I'm here to tell you that we have two systems. And that's what upsets people. Now what it does is it forces believers in Christ Jesus, and others too, but particularly believers in Christ Jesus, it kind of forces them into this horrible position of having to vote for an antichrist. 
tell your presidential candidate here what an antichrist is. Anyone who does not support the identity of Jesus Christ, anyone who does not support the prophetic eschatology of Jesus Christ is an antichrist. So what happens, listeners, listen very carefully, particularly if you're a voter type, is you're being pressured, you're being put in the position of voting for the lesser of two evils. So what we have to do as voters, we have to go, that's too much for us to think about. So therefore, I have to vote for the principles of my party, Democrats versus Republicans. So it boils down to the fact that you have to do what is right and righteous in an unrighteous system. Number one, should Indiwalk Christians vote for an Antichrist? What your answer is? Now, if you asked an average Christian with quotes on it, you're probably going to find them verbally saying, no, that's ridiculous, but they're going to do it. They're going to vote for the lesser of two evils. Of course, that leaves us with a question, and that is, who decides who is, whose evil is less than the other one? And that will come down to personal biases. You see, I don't want to be president. I think I would make an excellent one, but I don't want to be president because that's not where the power is. That's not where the source of power is. Someone please read for our listeners the campaign sticker I just gave you, what does it say? Vote for Christ in me. Can you imagine that being a campaign slogan? No, it would not work. So it puts us in a very unusual position. Number two, what do you do when there are no candidates who are indwelt? There's a power source in that candidate that the living God can use to bring forth the principles and policies or whatever that God wants to move on. But if you don't hear a true indwelt believer saying they're truly indwelt, they're not. You cannot hold back that testimony in a true Christian. You cannot. So anytime they're ashamed of the gospel, what does Jesus say he does with his father? Same thing. So that's all I want to know up front. You ashamed of the gospel? You ashamed of having Christ in you? Because you won't have my vote. Unless you are unashamed of the power, the life, the God of the universe living inside you. Three, when you go to the booth, write in your ideal candidate. Care who they are. My my running mate is Huckabee. I want you to write my name in as president. And I want you to write in Huckabee as my running mate. Are either one of us gonna get it? No, it's the integrity. I know this man well enough to tell you he's a great candidate. For president even. But you see, if you have a slogan like that on your campaign buttons, you'll never be president. And if you do, 
It is a miracle of God. Number four, my campaign slogan is, a candidate who trumps the lies. Now, if I had to pick a worldly saying, that's what I would use. Because I'm covering both angles. Well, how? what do you mean by trumping the lies? Oh, okay, well, let's talk about that then. These are the seven basic points that are argued in the world of campaigners. Number one, crime and justice. Well, well Colossians 3.25 simply says this. He who does wrong will receive the consequences and that without partiality. The reason why we have political arguing under crime and justice is because of the subjectivity matter that comes with human life. And we all think we have rights to argue that. And the truth is, God laid it out from the beginning of the Old Testament to through the ongoing of the New Testament, which is Colossians 3.25. He who does wrong will receive the consequences of that which they do wrong. Well, what are the consequences of someone who murders? Well, read the Constitution. So I'm sorry, potential voters, you're not going to like my policy on crime and justice because there's too many liberal-minded people that no longer call sin, sin. Number two, economy and taxes. Mark twelve seventeen basically says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Caesar's. Why are we arguing about taxes? Why are we fussing? Why are we suing the government? Why are we doing these things? It belongs to them. This is their country. And we have the privilege of living in this free country. That's maybe not really that free. So we sue each other and we try to change the laws and have amendments upon the amendments upon the amendments until the Constitution is gone. That's what's happening to us. Stick to the original Constitution, wipe out all the amendments, and what you'll have is a, is a country that thrived and worked. And it's not thriving and working anymore because of our amendments upon amendments upon amendments. I'm sorry, you probably are not going to support me in my position on economy. Education, the Bible says to train up a child in the way that they should go. To train a child up into understanding the indwelling life of Jesus Christ and that in and of themselves they're nothing. In a country that actually promotes and spends billions and billions and billions of dollars supporting education that says you are somebody. You can mount to something. You can do anything you set your mind to. And here Christ is coming along saying, no, I want to teach you not I but Christ. No, I want to teach you it's my mind in you that does the thinking. No, I want you to understand that you're nothing and I'm everything. No, I want you to understand that when you get that, you will be successful. So I'm sorry, you probably won't support my view of education. Energy. He who does not take care of his own is worse than an unbeliever. We are stealing energy from other countries. 
We've tied it into foreign policies. We create wars. Do you understand that? That we actually create wars? And we create these wars in order to better our economy. So this whole war that's going on with oil and natural and we have enough oil in our own country to take care of all of our own people and even tithe to other countries. If every country lived by this principle of take care of your own people first, if you knew how many gazillions of dollars we give to other countries to take care of their starving people when we are one of the leading countries in the world with starving people, you're just not used to having them on commercials looking like skin and bones. But I'm here to tell you, there is a great deal of poverty in this country. We're not taking care of our own. A man takes care of his own household first. Then he goes and helps his neighbor. Or he's worse than an unbeliever. What if a country did that? No, you probably won't be supporting me on my position on energy. Foreign policy, the descendants of Israel, this is Nehemiah 9.12, I love this verse. The descendants of Israel separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and iniquities, guilt and sin of their fathers. Is that not the verse that we put up there for you in a cute, classy way of what ignites a revival? We're supposed to separate ourselves from foreigners. Once we do that, then we'll have a clear head on what should be done in reaching out to other countries. Then you will become a great nation. And that's how this nation was actually formed, is a system that gave you the freedom to take care of yourself and your people first. Then we'll give to some other people. Because God blesses what his guidelines are to a successful nation. So therefore, there will be plenty of overflow. You probably won't support me on my foreign policies. Guns is a huge issue. Every person is to be in subjection to governing authorities. All authority that does exist, exists because of God. And he or she who resists these governed authorities resists God. Read your constitution, listeners, and those of you who are in foreign lands, read yours. And honor the established authority of your country. Don't fight it, don't sue it, don't picket it. Honor your constitution. Because that's what our Bible is. This is our constitution. It's our guideline. We don't do that anymore. So no, you probably won't support me in the issue of gun control or not. You've heard this in the news. You've heard it in your readings that it's not guns that kill people. Officer, who is it that kills people? People. People. I think... Maybe we should leave the guns alone and focus on changing the hearts of the people. So you probably won't support me on the gun issue. I understand. So 
it isn't about the guns. It's about the people who carry them. And then finally, health care. I love this one. All of my listeners and my, my uh, potential voters, my stand on health care is very simple. Take care of your mama. Quit spending all your monies on the fancy cars. Take care of your mama. Take care of your papa. It used to be by Hebrew custom that the old folks lived with the young folks because the young folks' home and inheritance is the old folks' stuff. It was an honor system. They took care of me until I became an adult. I should take care of them as they start to act like a child. It's called the life cycle. But what we do, listeners, is we send our parents off to retirement homes. We send our, our beloved fathers and mothers, our aged people that literally have the wisdom given to them by a full life lived to get the wisdom, and we imprison them. It is not right. It is our responsibility to take care of our parents and to show our children how to do that. Now we got back to that system, which is not a Finney policy. It is a Hebrew law. You don't take care of your parents as a true Hebrew. You are rejected in the business world. Now let's see how that affects economy. Actually, what I'd really like to have you do is to vote Put someone's name in that write-in space that you admire. Put someone's name in there that you know is an indwelt believer and is not afraid to tell the whole world about it. Put a write-in because you're doing your voting responsibly and you're actually voting according to the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. Will your candidate get in? No. You see, every word that proceeds out of your mouth is recorded in the book of Life. See, every person you vote for is being recorded eternally. And as Paul said, the things that you're doing on earth are either building up eternal weight of glory or not. You see, I want to stand before my husband someday, which is probably going to be very soon. That could be 30 years or 30 days, I don't know. But I want to stand before my husband and I want to be able to look into his eyes and say, I did what I believed you were doing through me in voting, writing, singing, and the list goes on. I care about Jesus Christ, him being the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the ruler of all nations, and that this earth belongs to him. How we have put dotted lines on the maps matters not to him. What matters to him is to keep the constitution of the living God alive active and sharp under all circumstances. And you need to ask yourself this. Who is Jesus going to vote for? 602-292-2982. I want to hear who you say Jesus is going to vote for. Who runs your life? Who rules your mind? Who makes your decisions through you? Why do you separate Jesus from politics? I don't. 
I will only vote for who Jesus says is his vote. That may take some prayer. It might even take a couple of you to get into Walt by Jesus first. Something we should consider.